This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Sophie Coyne and Megan LePan are the co-founders of a fantastic agency called Raised by Wolves. Just an absolutely fascinating company at the nexus of corporate internal communications and brand advertising. Corporate comms, I don't know why, but it's just sucked for a very, very long time. And Sophie and Megan are injecting some much needed creativity, energy and enthusiasm into the space. They've worked with each other in a previous role, very different to each other, very different skill sets, but they're actually very complementary. And I think you'll hear that coming through on the episode. Just just an absolutely fascinating conversation, really funny, really down to earth, uh, fresh perspectives. If you are at all interested in how corporate communications is changing, what makes a great account handler, agency growth, and just like so much more, then you're going to absolutely love the conversation. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Sophie Coyne and Megan LePan. Sophie Coyne and Megan LePan are the co-founders of Raised by Wolves, a creative communication studio focused on helping brands unsettle the ordinary in the corporate and sustainability space. They are part of the multi-award winning Lab Group. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Sophie and Megan, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. Super excited to have you both on the show. You're, um, we've been chatting just off air and your energy and enthusiasm is super infectious and you've got me <laughs> in a fantastic mood. So really, really excited to have you on the show. Let's Job done let's, then, no? <laughs> let's, go, let's go home. Let's go home. So let's, let's jump into it. So you both founded Raised by Wolves and love the name, by the way, it's a fantastic name of an agency in December of 2020. That's also a really interesting time to start a new business in the height of the pandemic. Tell us the origin story of the agency. Yeah, it's an agency that really um, we wanted to put together for some time. And it was kind of born out of probably frustration, if we're honest, with the industry. We were working kind of at um, an integrated kind of full capability agency. And we had these phenomenal opportunities, but it just seemed like sometimes the way that the industry wanted to manage the process wasn't conducive to the best output. And particularly with sustainability and corporate comms, which I think is is very much on the rise at the moment, um, it, there, there kind of was a bit of a disconnect between how advertising and comms serve that space um, and where we kind of came from it was how do you elevate creativity um, in, in the kind of area which is well known for being quite corporate quite straight you know death by powerpoint often um, mm. and, and where creativity often goes that's not really yeah we don't want to get involved with that um, mm. and actually we thought that that was a, um, a brilliant creative challenge actually how do you how do you make that into something which is super engaging and it leverages the best of advertising um, to kind of move the conversation forward so for us that was really um, we had a, a kind of why not try this uh, probably about two years before we actually did it yeah and um and then uh and why not try it with a different model so let's try and build something which has kind of small tactical teams that's a little bit different from the industry norm and how can that affect the work I guess that's kind of the origin of Raised by Wolves and what the driving force behind it was 
and at the same time, we don't like to work in ugly. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that. we don't want to, we don't want to be doing corporate work that looks corporate. It's not as fun to work on, right? And push those boundaries. Mm. So really having a look at something that's a Nike has done and translating that into a internal engagement piece or something that is supposed to be dry. And she was like, it doesn't mm. have to be like this. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Like we don't have mm. to be sitting here doing this boring stuff. It's nobody's going to read it. And that's like demoralizing to work on corp comms. If that is mm. how you really think the end user isn't going to appreciate it or be as engaging as it could be. And I think mm. that's, that was a big part of, us always pushing the boundaries of it where we were before and mm. even more so now with more freedom. Um, it's a huge goal for us. Great starting point for any business. It doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you create the future, right? It's fantastic. I love it. So you mentioned something really interesting there. How, how do you both then complement each other? So you said Soph is, is I guess, slightly more the creative one. She sees something that Nike has done externally and she says, how, how can I replicate that? in their internal comms. Megan, how do you and Sophie kind of complement your skills and your your skill sets? To be honest, we're quite different. So Sophie did a master's in history, so she can analyze and pull anything apart. And she's one of the best strategic people I've ever worked with in terms of making things simple. So she can take a lot of information and just really make it simple. My worst thing is strategists who give me pages and pages to read. I don't want to read 10 pages of strategy. If I have to read 10 pages of strategy, you haven't done your job. <laughs> like, just don't you think like when it's, I was just like, just Definitely. tell me what I need to know to make it easy. I don't need a, like a thesis on it. I just want what the output should be. And Soph is just the most incredible person in, in doing that. But I think when we started to work together, because we we were we were friends before we met at our old agency. We were best friends. And then we started to work together maybe four years ago now. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big choice for us to make because our friendship was our number one priority. And you, you just never know how these things are going to go, right? But it actually was the best thing we've ever done. So I learned so much from Soph in a strategic platform, how to break things down, how to put them together, how to signpost. Our big thing is signposting, like idiot-proof people through um, proposals, not to say. Take what a journey. Is That's the, uh, it, not idiot-proof. It... <laughs> <laughs> Do you see? Nice She's way more articulate. <laughs> But we we approach problems completely differently. And I think adding my viewpoint of how to get to certain things versus the way Soph does it, and I'm probably not explaining this clearly, but we can push each other. We can push the boundaries of how to do that um, from a completely Mm. different place. But we always agree on the same. I always say this about us, like our core beliefs and our core values are 100% aligned. We always know what the output is we're trying to get to, but how we get there, we come at it from completely different angles. Um, Megs, is, uh, Megs is tactically avoiding giving herself credit for what it is she brings to the table, <laughs> if you notice that. Um, you tell us then, Sophie. I think um, Megs is very, Megs is probably the most business savvy, keep you on a straight shooter that you'll find, um, as you can probably tell already. Um, and coming from more of a kind of creative and planning side, I thought I was pretty hot on, on um keeping the business objectives like always in sharp focus but um when we when I started working with Meg she actually pushed 
uh, both myself and the creative team we used to work with to really land and interrogate what we're doing so it's the most effective it can be. Um, she is probably the most shrewd business person uh, or bringing that to the table, I should say, that I've worked with. It's a, it's a bit of a keep us honest um, and uh, and I think that's invaluable actually when you're doing creative and strategy just to have that that sounding board to get out of your own way sometimes mm. so yeah I would say that's the they're the kind of quite different but nicely complementary styles complementary skills yeah really love it so tell us then about a piece of work that you're particularly proud of tell us who some of your typical clients are um yeah what what works brings to mind I think um, I think probably the piece um, we produced a couple of years ago um, for Coca Cola was um, was actually their first uh, corporate consumer campaign, um, and, it, and it kind of went out in Europe in about twenty five markets, um, and that was um, what is Coca Cola doing um, in in sustainability effectively, and at the time it was. Um, looking at community packaging or waste, if you like, um, and also water replenishment. And it was the first time um, to a consumer audience they had built this new brand. So you've got, you know, traditional products, Coke, which is happiness and, um, you know, very, very optimistic. And then how can you reconcile that with um, their, their corporate brand, uh, which hadn't yet been developed? So we, we work with them to mm. produce that. What's the tone of voice? How do you reconcile those two uh, brand Coke with kind of corporate facing Coke? And we shot it. It was a 360 campaign. Um, and and it was it was really, really fantastic. It was a message platform. We we didn't want to do a silver bullet, you know, let's just come and, and tick the boxes um, of corporate sustainability. How can we make it meaningful? And um, we connected that piece of work to a mindset. Um, so it was called Never Settle, and um, and that was really the lens that we um, that we brought all their commitments through. Um, and um, I think both visually and strategically, um, it was probably the piece we're most proud of. Took a piece of our soul for two years, mm. um, <laughs> absolutely, but um, but definitely one of our favourites. Really interesting. So so what have you learned then about how to create corporate comms that? stand out and more importantly is effective right that's effective with the people who are supposed to receive it take on the message and then act on it what have you learned about how to do that effectively i think uh we use this phrase actually for rose by wolves and um it's it's bringing the meaningful to the technical i think sometimes there is this and and megs and i've made every mistake you know going while we we were learning this but you've been doing this a long time (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just want um when you're faced with corporate comms and and you're from a more creative environment you just want to make it kind of either visually better or you want to oversimplify it or you know you've, you've got these grand aspirations um that are not necessarily um the most conducive to getting the business objective across and actually starting from a place of understanding and being an SME effectively in your client's business or the subject matter. Um, Megs is the biggest packaging nerd going, which is obviously helpful for us as a team. Um, but starting from that place and then building a creative solution that has that in mind. Mm. So it's not to say that, you know, you're watering it down, but actually if you understand the nuances of the subject you're trying to bring to life in corporate comms, you can then make informed decisions about what is the most appropriate way to bring it to life 
creatively rather than a lot of the time um you know what we did initially I and mean, I think what a lot of people in the industry do is go okay we really think you should do this without really having a full under and the client just takes you back and back and back because they're saying well you're not really understanding what we're trying to get across here and then once you've got that I think um baseline of knowledge and you're interrogating the subject as much as they are before you've even put the creative together you know there's a level of trust you get with clients and then eventually they start to become a bit braver and I think that's that's really been our our, our strategy and and what we learned kind of in six mm. years um, prior working with Coke was was to build that relationship, that understanding so that then you can push the boundaries creatively and they trust that you're not going to, um, you know, you're not going to compromise them in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, I think we're also quite good at holding on to our initial, whenever we get a brief, it's like, what is our initial reaction to this? Mm. What do we what do we understand? What do we think about it before reading anything else? We kind of read the ask and then we have a chat and I'm just like, well, why would they need to do this? And we ask ourselves those kinds of questions. So you don't lose that, that perspective. Cause once you're in all the information and there is a lot of information that comes, <laughs> comes our way, it's hard to then have that um, outside view maybe. So we are, it's, it's, it's a paramount for us to keep that, that initial gut thing it's the same thing when you watch an edit your first reaction what did you think what did you see yeah um how did you interpret that so i think everything that so saying is 100 percent true but we also need to be that step removed from the client because they are living it they are living it even more than we are living it so you need that perception as well in order to also help drive the conversation forward with them Totally agree. Your point around gut feel and sort of going with what your first instinct is, is so important. And I think it's really underrated because, you know, behavioral science has kind of backed this up in recent years. And they've said that gut feel is really just experience. And it's just your years of experience that tell you, actually, if you it's pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. And considering that you guys have been doing this for years, I don't want to give away your ages here, but considering <laughs> that you guys have been doing this for, for years and you've been senior account handlers at another agency, your ability to pattern recognize is so finely attuned that when you do see a new brief, you're, you kind of instantly understand, ah, this is the direction that we should go into before you have to even go into the details and the reams and reams of information <laughs> that, that but, come to you. Yeah, but sometimes it's also what question are they missing from the mm. brief you know to really help me understand actually sometimes we'll say to them like actually you need to answer this question first before we even get into this because your general consumer they're more in this space at the moment we need them to understand this principle before we go into explaining everything that that you need they need that baseline knowledge um, and I think people read headlines, right? And then they think they know a subject matter. Climate change is my, f I, I will say this example every time, ask people five questions on climate change and they actually don't know the answer. Um, mm. They know a headline and they know Ask generally. Me one. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, right? <laughs> but there's so much more to it. And I think with it, with such a short attention span, it, you do sometimes need to take a step back in order to then go forward and explain things. Some of it is, I think, to do with audiences as well, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, the, the catch with, with corporate communications and sustainability suddenly being in the consumer space is, okay, your, your employees, your key stakeholders might have 
an appetite to read longer form content um, or something that's kind of put together in a more sophisticated way. But consumers are used to, as Megs is saying, they're like um, tagline advertising. So how do you get across quite, you know, deeply technical subjects to people whose kind of attention span and appetite for the subject is quite small? And the whole strategy has to be different. Um, and and kind of taking clients on that journey to say, well, you know, you might be technically right if you deliver the information that way, but people haven't. People have started to disengage because it's just too it's too much for them to absorb. And you can come at it from a different way. Pivoting, I always say, is a, is a nicer way than having you know competing strategies. But um, I think that 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 really is the the challenge with corporate comms um, in the consumer space now. Mm. How have you seen the briefs that you've received change over the last? I don't know, six, 12, 12 months based on the pre-pandemic to kind of where we are now. What are clients looking for, expecting? What results are they looking for that were different to where we were sort of 12, 18 months ago? It's just more at the fore, I think. I think the pandemic has just pushed communications in general to another level. You, Everyone's working from home. You still need to keep up spirit you still need to be people to be informed but at the same time i think more money has now gone to communications which i think is great and i think there's a lot more agency people in those sort of communication roles at at corporate and Mm -hmm. they come from an agency background and i think they want to do cool stuff i don't think that people there don't want to do creative work you know and i think now they're getting more of the budgets they are being braver and they're wanting to push the boundaries and in terms of metrics of course sustainability esg is a huge thing for corporates um it's it all has to play a part but at the same time to get that cut through you've got to look or you have to be giving people something that's interesting that's not a a thesis or you know a stock library image with we aim to try to maybe kind of like do something in the near future <laughs> you know people want a little bit more and it's um i think yeah i think i would say in general i would say the briefs are getting braver um they they're putting more money into it i think they definitely do want to be better at this from a consumer point of view for selling products, the services, but also for employees, people want to work for good companies. They want a good corporate citizen. And I think that is starting to come through in, in briefs. It's less of a, a plaster, you know, like just a tick box exercise, I would say, or at least from our clients mm. and, and what we, the briefs we've seen, it is less of a tick box exercise. Yeah, I think sustainability has jumped up on the agenda, hasn't it, with the pandemic? People have, you know, there seems to be this acute awareness now of, of you know, our lifestyles and um, what corporates are, are the, what their role is um, in shaping that. Um, and I think sustainability briefs seem to have gone through the roof. And a change which was actually pre-pandemic, but I think was probably... Um, expedited is is marketing um, and communications functions working together so previously they were quite you know siloed entities um, from a client perspective but now actually it's the coming together and that um, interestingly that that never settled coca-cola piece we mentioned earlier that was an experiment on their behalf to see how do kind of public affairs and communications work with marketing to produce something? And I think more and more 
um, sustainability is demanding that corporates, um, you know, come out and, and, and be proactive, proactive and reactive. But, you know, they're, they're having to come out and, and speak about these topics um, and the agility is there. So the briefs are following that trend, um, whereas before you might have a few kind of three or four big pieces for the year. Now it's kind of. Um, I mean, the amount of packaging briefs that, that, that we kind of worked through is crazy. It's, it's, it's nice to see, but it is a, f- a sharp focus that you would n- are, are, like we certainly never saw kind of three, four years ago. So just going back to the agency, how best do you structure the, the business to execute on client briefs? To be honest, our focus is small tactical teams and accountability. We're not yet, I, I say this to Soph all the time, I'm not here to be a nursery school teacher. You know, I want to work with adults. I want to work with the best people. And that's a lot of the time is actually attitude, not necessarily skill. Um, and that small tactical team, super agile, accountable for everything, hybrid is is what we're after and how we we work. Um, Soph explains it more in terms of uh, everyone's got majors and minors and creating the team in that sort of, or a three, four person team that runs and knows everything about that account. Um, it's just efficient. I can't stand inefficiencies. And, <laughs> and layers. And layers. Oh, I'm like, no, I'm not filling out a brief to change a word on a word. Like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, we're all adults. We're just going to get on with it and do our job. And right. I think it's like having right. that that team spirit in terms of we're, we're all in it. We're all accountable. There's nowhere to hide let's all get this done um and then we rest you know so it's hard and then like work hard play hard but um small tactical agile teams is really how we will always i think we, we i think that we're fairly so i think we're fairly set on this that like yeah. it will always be small tactical teams i think it was um one of the driving forces for the business so on, on the one hand you had this um this area that we've been exposed to in terms of sustainability and corporate comms but then the other side was what's that new way like what's the different way of doing it and um you know i think it is a bit of a um people have very different opinions right you've got the big agency structures and i think when you're working on a brand campaign that takes the best part of a year it is important to have different disciplines in their you know in their mm. correct role working together you need that that structure um but when you are uh, putting together stuff that's slightly more uh, reactive um you know we very much believe that that hybrids are the way to do it and i don't i particularly don't like people staying in their box um i think if if you give people the space to have an opinion uh, but it's in a small area so we're not having kind of death by collaboration but you're empowering three or four people to take ownership of what this could really be um i think like meg says majors and minors right so i kind of major on planning minor on creative um you know some of the creatives we work for obviously they they have that um that creative is their their core but they can speak to strategy and and Mm. we never want to be in a position of telling someone that's not your job or that's not your area of expertise because i think it can really Mm. get in the way of of producing the best output you know um and and that's that's kind of born out of our our previous agency experience and really we want to take it um and i think i think ultimately makes his point is it's it's more efficient um and it, and it's a bit cleaner but you have to have people who are 
who are willing to go on that journey who've got that mindset right they're not mm. they're not kind of um mm. afraid to to kind of step out of their lane I guess and be uncomfortable in a good way because it. it is because it is uncomfortable because because you're also in a smaller tactical team you tend to push each other further mm. harder you stress mm. that a little bit more um and ultimately I think you end up with a, the better strategy, the better creative, the better message platform or, or whatever it is you're, you're sort of tackling at the moment. It's just mm. having that space and trust to push push that extra further into that I uncomfortable. See. So agencies are people businesses and you're, you're a young business, you know, set up in, in December 2020. How do you think about attracting really good talent to the agency? Attracting talent has been quite interesting for us. We've we've put out a couple of PR pieces and, and things and people have actually come to us, which is so surprising. Um, mm. I think I think we always, so, so for now, are quite unassuming. So we're just like, oh, why would anyone care? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like we just we just paddle away, do our thing and like hope people sure. like it. Um, right. So it's been quite nice. And we've met some great creatives through that. And then even through them, their network, they're like, oh, I have this person who would be great. And then they would share something or, Amazing. you know, and then obviously, of course, like networks, we just, we, we try and we put ourselves out there and we look at people. We're always looking uh, for how it is. But for us, the process itself is incredibly hard because what we're looking for is incredibly difficult to find. Mm. Um, it's really, people are afraid to step out of boxes and, you know, like we were saying earlier, be uncomfortable in something that they not, they've been told don't go there. That's not your area of expertise. Um, mm. People are are quite scared of it, and they they feel comfort maybe in 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 staying in their lane. So it is quite hard. The process is hard, but it is the one thing that is so important for us to get the right people and hire the right people, and then use freelance where we need to for specialties or mm. whatever the thing is like. We saw this guy doing amazing, like illustration graffiti type thing. Got in touch because we, mm. I've got an idea for when we could potentially use it. We don't have the right brief for it yet, but you know amazing. you've got to reach out and you've right. got to have those people there because I know that there is the brief that he will be incredible for. Um, Perfect. So for, that's kind mm. of yeah, that's really it. But the people are paramount because if you don't trust them it's mm. never going to work and everyone is accountable accountability <laughs> is everything mm. That's quite important. <laughs> um, I think we're going to be releasing some work soon right we've been we've kind of makes that squirreling away um, and we very much like when we when we release stuff to the world you want it to have impact because you know a big part of what we're doing um, you know majors on the creativity so we've got to evidence that now um, and I think over the next six months, we're going to start releasing the work that we've been, you know, we've been working on. Um, and I'm, we're hoping that that also helps because a lot of creatives have fallen in love with the proposition. And then I think there's a little bit of pressure on us to, you know, show, you know, show us what you've got. Right. right? If you're saying bring this advertising caliber of creativity to, to core to comms, um, mm. you know, show us what that looks like. And we're hoping that that will that will kind of complement as well. You know, it gives um, I always say it's just much easier to see it rather than explain it. Um, and then if people get it, you know, brilliant, like minded. Mm. Yeah. Can't wait to see that. Really looking forward to that. So, so what surprised you this year about building a business specifically that that I guess has been harder than what you expected, um, and what's not been as hard as you may have expected it to be? 
I think we've been pretty lucky, actually. You know, we've joined this group and one of our kind of brother agencies in the group is is tremendous creatively. Um, and so I think initially we thought, um, you know, hiring creative talent and, and getting off the ground in that way um, might be a bit difficult, but they, they've been perfect for us. And um, we've kind of had really good exposure to, you know, kind of top brands, um, like your kind of, um, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, Nike, through them. And I think we didn't think from the get-go we would hit, you know, tier one, you know, global brands in our first six months, but actually mm. through them we have. And I think that's been a, a, a really good strength of the group. And we've, we've been very lucky in that way. Mm. In terms of what was harder, um, Megs? I don't know. We were talking about it earlier. And basically, I think we just think everything's hard. <laughs> I think, you know, when you're in that fight mentality, like you just never yeah. expect anything yeah. to come easy. And I think, oh, we yeah. have been incredibly lucky. And I think it has been so much easier than we thought it would be. And sometimes I think like, oh, maybe it really is so right because you're not scrapping or there's no like you're not fighting all the time to mm. get basics um i think the thing i've mm. probably found hard is like choosing a pension scheme and you know lab is great at sort of helping <laughs> us with that but it's like oh goodness this is boring like but it's so important <laughs> right you have to have it yeah but why it's do just... i have to do this again can someone else like... do this for me i had to do that a few <laughs> months ago but do you know what i mean it's that kind of side of like business management and yeah. and it's a, and it's a responsibility it's a responsibility to employees to provide them with the best thing and make sound decisions and like as their foundation so i would say that's been like lot it's been harder in terms of reading and understanding all the different types of things but luckily we we are surrounded even that like we're surrounded by great people Soph's dad mm really helped us like true professionals Amazing. ask your dad um yeah so like a business <laughs> ask your dad <laughs> when all else fails right? yeah well he's an yeah. MA, so he he and he's just so knowledgeable and he's been such a great Fantastic. help and support to us um so we always kind of sense check things and then you know we, we get it we, we, under, we understand things a lot more Mainly, I get um. He's like, I can see you glazing over, um, <laughs> so he kind of holds me to account on the uh, on the business side of things. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> really good to have that at the dinner table, just on speed dial. <laughs> amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. So, as you think about the next chapter in the business's evolution. I mean, what do you think the most effective ch chapter will be? What will it look like? You know, what's your vision for the future over the next few years? I think in the short term, it's definitely building that creative network um, of talent. You know, like I, I mentioned earlier, we, we've got to evidence, um, you know, how, how you are bringing that creativity to, to corporate comms and sustainability and attracting the right people to do that. Um, it's, it's very kind of strategic creatives, if you like. So I think if we can continue to build that network and lock that in, I think that will put us in a really good position to, to kind of realise this model of small tactical teams, hybrids. Um, so I think, I think that's one. Um, and a uh, second kind of longer focus is, is actually to kind of um, 
to have the brand advertising side of us and purpose advertising um, back in our as our as our offering mm. we're kind of we've gone very niche from the beginning um, and it's been really effective and, and we enjoy it and we very much want to keep that as the heart of the business mm. um, but as as we're growing we're being exposed to more kind of um, briefs outside that world um, and how do you reconcile the two mm. and make sure that we don't kind of end up being a yeah we can do everything agency um it's it's yeah, yes ma'am yeah, how do you exactly. do that that's quite interesting me <laughs> say no <laughs> accountability yeah exactly. it, all, it all comes full circle <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, yeah, but that's that's a real challenge for agencies, right? I mean, you start out with a, a niche proposition, um, targeting, talking to a niche market, and then all of a sudden, because of that success, you get briefs that it's very easy to look at and go, ah, this is quite attractive, we can do this. But increasingly, you're expanding your skill set, you're, you're sort of doing things that are slightly outside of your main core capability and skill area, but it, it, it's quite attractive from a revenue point of view and maybe sort of a, a client point of view. How do you make sure that you keep focused on that niche area that you, you where you bring your core skills and capability to that brief? Yeah, I think it's for us, it's there's this fine line between if we if we stay very much in the co- corporate comms and sustainability space exclusively we're going to lose that that advertising flair that we came from and actually sometimes um if you do take a more creative brief which maybe doesn't ha- you know isn't rooted in in our core proposition it's having a complementary effect on being able to to bring that style over to um stay relevant of, yeah, exactly. And but for us, it's we're going to have to kind of pricey which uh, which is going to be complementary and which is just a total wild card, right? Um, taking us in a different direction, and it's it's a bit of a judgment call. We've had them already. Um, we've said no to a few, um, and we've and we've had a couple of uh, brands like Tottenham that we you know we think no, this is going to be good for the overall. Um, capability of the agency and keeping kind of creatives interested right like we you know there is a job to be done in terms of giving people variety and um, you know pushing the boundaries all the time so that people don't feel they're stagnant they don't feel we're just working on the same kind of thing Mm. in a different format with a different client you don't want to kind of end up being uh, we produce basically the same work, but for six different clients in their world, you know, yeah. we want to keep kind of pushing it. Um, and I think our brother agency, Studio Bluff, are very good for that. They're exceptionally entrepreneurial mm. and that entrepreneurial spirit shapes the um, their client briefs. And um, I think developing that relationship and, and walking that line is going to be our challenge over the next few years. But ultimately, I think it will be what keeps us effective hopefully yeah but I think from a client point of view Soph and I our reputation is everything who people think we are as people integrity is 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 a core value for us and we would never say we could do something to someone that we couldn't deliver on or Mm. we couldn't learn or upskill enough to do give them an absolutely great product we Mm. would never that's the worst thing that I think could ever happen to us is for someone 
for over promise under deliver type of thing we are much more of a oh we are under promise and over deliver over delivering is <laughs> is is our, is almost our account strategy i think is you know our job is there to make their lives easier it's, it's there to get them promoted get them give them the best output really um and we enjoy that challenge mm. but yeah i think 100% we will always be true and honest with ourselves and at least with two of us there's always someone who's going to keep you honest right <laughs> it's not just you <laughs> and maybe your ego trying to like say we can do this um but also we love to learn we love to push ourselves as as well so like so i said it is on a case by case basis and it has to keep us relevant it's got to be right for the creatives it's got to be right for the agency so there's a number of factors in it but you don't want to become an echo chamber effectively no with, but we're also open yeah mm. we're so open i think if you're closed off you just never know what's going to happen right so you've got to be open to things mm. couldn't agree more guys we're fast running out of time there are a million questions that i wasn't able to get to we're going to have to get you back on the show in six months time <laughs> to see where you guys are because i actually i love the journey and the trajectory and the energy that you guys are bringing to this. So um, congratulations on all your success so far. Let's get, jump into our favorite questions. These are the questions that we ask all of our guests. So I'm super excited to ask you some of them as well. I'm gonna fire some short, sharp questions at you. If you can fire some back answers back, that would be great. Um, actually, none of these are actually short answers. They're all quite <laughs> long, <laughs> but let's see what we can get through. So tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. I always go to, um, I used to play tennis when I was um, a teenager to quite a high level. It was kind of above county and oh. um, it was my big dream. And I, and I um, it was probably the first big thing I ever failed at. And, um, and it was just, I think I was, I was too young. I was too intimidated by the environment. And, and too uh, short. And too short, apparently. And too short. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Um, there are short tennis players. <laughs> Not that five, makes three. It worse, Nathan, <laughs> that makes it worse. Um, thanks for that, Meg. <laughs> Sorry. And, um, <laughs> I think I was from that point onwards I thought no let's not be let's not be intimidated you know let's let's try and kind of take on the world uh, because I know when you when you retreat what what actually happens and it's 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 not good so I think now I'm very much like a, I'll tackle things head on before they become you know a bit intimidating and that's really been I think quite defining uh, for me in business um from kind of yeah playing sports early age that's a good one megan have you got one um i think i failed at so many things <laughs> <laughs> i think because like soph says i'm a generalist and i am definitely so i don't feel like i've ever excelled at any one thing mm. so i failed at lots of things but i think it's just that the grit the fortitude get up carry on you know I, enough is never enough and I think for me from my failings I always go in with an imposter syndrome mm. like I need to prove that I'm I need to be here or someone's going to find me out so I work harder and even the industry Soph and I didn't come from an, an advertising or marketing background Soph did history I wanted to be mm. a, I mean I didn't want to be a chartered accountant but I did finance at uni you know um <laughs> so we <laughs> I don't right. know why I genuinely don't know why <laughs> but um so for that I think that's like <laughs> just, I'm the least accountant person you'll ever meet <laughs> but it's gonna help us now it's fine 
good job good job you made the shift right you you recognized it early yeah I think everyone did <laughs> tell us about some of your early mentors um in business and I guess in life I mean who influenced the way that you think about growing agencies the way you think about marketing the way you think about account handling tell us about some of your mentors I was very lucky to work with some very senior people at Coke um, in in kind of um, head of communications kind of positions across Europe. And they um, these are people who have spent a career getting to that position. And I think one of the the things that's made the biggest difference for me is um, they're kind of insatiable in terms of learning. They are, you know, very much always open to everything, traveling as much as they do. And, and we used to do open to kind of um, new cultures and way of doing things. And the number one thing that I, I admired when I was working with them is um, these are people who are so time poor, right? They're first thing in the morning till midnight, two o'clock in the morning uh, working. Their day is full of senior leaders. They're, they're lobbying with NGOs. And then, but you never felt rushed. Mm. Um, you know, you would have half an hour with them. And in that half an hour, they gave you the space to, that you could communicate and that they weren't putting their pressures of, of what they needed to achieve on you. And I thought that's the most admirable mm. skill um, and something that, you know, as, as I was developing, really made a difference um, and allowed you to grow. And I think sometimes you do meet clients who who you sense their pressure and tension. Right. Um, and 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 that doesn't help, I think, get to where you need to be. Um, so that ability to kind of just. Um, never make people feel rushed always make them feel heard is is an exceptional skill that I admire and I was very lucky to be exposed to I think from my point of view I didn't really have any sort of mentors but what I did do was watch people and I watched how other people resonated with certain things and I think it's just like I said being that sponge and taking what is also authentic I think I'm a big person of you can't just copycat somebody else's style like so style and my style are completely different mm -hmm. and they resonate with different people but you know you learn so much from just watching people and how other people react and how to just take those little things and that's not like through other business not just agency so I didn't have like one mentor pushing me along it was more paying the bills you know <laughs> you've got to be good at your, what you do no one's coming to help you <laughs> no one's coming to save you no yeah. <laughs> you've got to be the best as you can be totally agree couldn't agree more um what's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your backgrounds oh Soph loves this one I grew up on a chicken farm in rural Natal <laughs> In rural Natal in South Africa. Um, wow. Yeah, so I grew up on a chicken farm. Loved it. It was great. <laughs> what a what a great experience. We don't have many people on the show that that grew up on chicken <laughs> chicken farms, but I it's know. just I guess that goes back to your sustainability anchor and and yeah. and focus. Oh, I, I don't to a certain even, extent. I don't... I think, yeah, you, maybe it does. I haven't even thought about it like that. You know, I think it was just so natural. I mean, I took so fishing and mm. I didn't understand what she, she'd never been fishing before. From London. You I was know. like, I just thought, <laughs> I just thought everyone knew how to fish. It was and just so she, normal. Yeah. Put me on a boat in the middle of, of Africa. Why don't you know how to fish? 
You did, she you did know catch about a the fish. Different kinds of baits. I know. I called it a fishing stick. Actually, I forgot it was called a rod for the first like few hours. Much to their amusement. The stick. But, uh... The stick that you throw and catch. You know. You know. Like, like this, this is we're like boring. Yeah. You know, we're like oh, yeah, God. we're in a boat. We catch a fish. You know, this is what we do. It's like there's oh, more great. to it than that. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie, have you got one? Do you know what? Actually, Nathan, I um, I haven't thought about that. That's actually the one question you caught me out on. Um, I think it's probably it's the tennis playing thing. That's a big one. Because you were a cream, extremely good tennis player. Is that a bit braggy? No, but you don't tell people. Soph's very coy. So um, I'm always like, basically what I try and do is I try and hustle people. <laughs> so I try and get her. Hustle people? <laughs> yeah. So, like, if it's, like, an office party or something and there's a table tennis, I'm like, I bet you 50 quid, so will beat you. And they're like, no, I'm good at this. I got this. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm making me some money. <laughs> and Soph's like, and then so, actually one of the guys tried to give her the 50 quid. And she was like, no, don't worry. Like, I can't take it. And I was like, what? Uh, I was like, of course you're going to take the money. <laughs> <laughs> That's our money. <laughs> exactly. Performing seal, you know. Performing <laughs> Good cup, bad cup. I love it. <laughs> and and my final question, guys, what is it you know about the world of brand advertising and corporate comms today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your careers? I was thinking about this and initially like the trap, my gut is that I want to say, I wish we knew that sustainability was going to kind of really rise on the agenda to the extent that it has now, right? Because then we would, but actually I'm glad that we didn't. You know, I used to say, I used to think it was our penance actually in the creative agency to be working on corporate comms because it was, you know, it wasn't as exciting initially. But because of that experience, I learned to love it, respect it and 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 completely appreciate it for what it is. And it's, it's formed the basis of our business. Mm. So not knowing uh, where it, where it would come to, I think has been a defining part of us wanting to bring that creativity to the space. Mm. So that's a roundabout way of answering your question, but I think actually um, not knowing um, about it has been the most defining um, element to where we are now. Yeah, that's so true. And I think I would, I just would agree with that necessary. As mm, really love it. Great place to end, guys. Sophie and Megan, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. We've had a great time. <laughs> we really have. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 140 such conversations we've had with world-class leaders in the agency space. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. We would be unable to do our show without our very own deal masters. Sarah Spence is our production assistant. Tyler Ballar is our booker slash editor. Krzysztof Buaszczek is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Alibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. Masters.